Welcome to another episode of The Coraline Solution. With me today is Kari Anderson. Kari is an Emmy-winning former NBC and Wall Street Journal reporter, now connective behavior and quotability speaker, author, and columnist for Forbes. Anderson's TED Talk on the web of humanity, Be an Opportunity Maker, has attracted over 2.4 million views. Her clients are as diverse as Salesforce, Novartis, and the Skoll Foundation. She was a founding board member of Annie's Homegrown, co-founder of Non-Political Packs, and author of Mutuality Matters, Moving from Me to We, Getting What You Want, and Resolving Conflict Sooner. Anderson serves on the advisory boards of the Business Innovation Factory, Globed, TEDx Murren, and World Affairs Council Murren. So with me today again is Kari Anderson. Kari, welcome to the CoreLink Solution. I'm deeply honored to be here. Thank you. I'm so glad you could finally get here. We've been planning this for quite some time. (laughs) Yes. So, uh, and little technology challenges today, but we have weathered through it. Amen. Groundedness throughout. Exactly. So let me start with this. You know, what is one thing that you might be able to share that's a fun fact about Kari that most people don't know? Well, it's an embarrassing thing, but it led to my best life. I grew up a stutter. Um, and I was very quiet in high school till a teacher said, Kari, you always look startled. So I think you should interview people. People love to answer questions. So she started me out on writing and then on seeing how people lit up. Um, and it helped me eventually outgrow being a stutterer. And secondly, when I was at Stanford, um, I learned from a test that I had no sense of direction. I have a brain mm. dysfunction. So I had to eagerly look out for people who were great at it and who were not humiliated when I'd say, could you show me how to get here or go with me? And I realized finding people with talents different than me means a great opportunity for them and me, complementary talents. And that's been core to my path the rest of my life. Gotcha. That's great. You know, one of the questions that jumped out to me as I looked at the TED Talk and I um, dug through some of your book material on some of the things you've done, what really brings you to this point in your journey, right? You're spending a lot of time really, um, to me, taking a message out that really is a very empowering message to help people understand that this, the mutuality of, um, of helping others bring their benefits to the table and being beneficial to each other, right? What brings you to this point in your journey? To keep on noticing what works for you. Notice that, people, when you're around other people. I had a, a, a man who was the boss at the Wall Street Journal, and I was 10 years younger than all the other people were all guys. And they always sort of tried to not be near me. Hmm. And there was only one woman. And you think, she was the only inappropriate journalist. She wore inappropriate clothing. She touched men inappropriately. It was the total opposite. So I went up to one of the reporters finally and said, sir, I admire you guys. You've helped me so much. Am I bugging you in some way? Oh, no, Kari. You just don't know how to swear. Swearing's big about what we do. I said, oh, can you teach me? And they all cracked up laughing. Again, each of the times in my life when something's mattered is I was willing to ask why. Mm. And I attracted unexpected diverse allies. And it's so important in our world today to have allies with complementary talents and very different. 
And I realized the superpower to doing that is specificity. You can only get specific about your message or your responses when you've got clarity about what you stand for, what your blind spots are, and what your hot buttons are. So you don't react as much. You choose how you act. And specificity, when you get that, makes you more credible and makes your messages more meaningful. So I think that's one of the core things in my life, because we tend to speak in generalizations. But the general conclusion cannot prove something, but a specific detail can prove a general conclusion. Mm-hmm. And it's mattered, it's mattered to me all my life when I notice I'm not getting specific enough yet. And to help other people, um, because sometimes it's helped to have somebody very different. You say, well, I don't understand what that means. You know, this term you use, opportunity maker, where, where did that term come from? It popped into my mind. I call it sidelong glancing. If you want to think of a label, do it when you're walking. Have it on your mind. You want to come up with a label. And then you look at signs. You look at people. There's some spark that happens. And a friend was saying, I need some new opportunities. And how can I make it happen? And I said, just a moment. Can I write that down? Opportunity happen. Opportunity makers are ones who pull opportunities in for them mm. and create them for others. That, that, that led to the label mutuality mindset. Because the best way to do it is when there's a sense of mutuality. And I truly believe the healthiest relationships are not based on a quid pro quo but an ebb and flow of mutual support over time. We both trust that you're going to be there when we need you. And that's so vital these yeah, days. Yeah. Yeah. That's, 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 that's beautiful. So, you know, one of the things that I really appreciated about um, your work was this concept of, you know, the opportunity makers, but then this, what you just talked about, the mutuality. And one of the statements that you wrote um, and talked about with a lot of passion was this notion of the shift of, and correct me if I'm wrong, if I'm mis- misquoting you, but the shift of power, the power base from institutions to individuals, right? As those individuals um, harness that mutuality uh, and the benefits between individuals. Can you say more about that? Sure. I think it's a circle, you see, because when people in an organization or even people that are talking to their customers or their endowments, um, when they can get more specific and they help each other, they gain more power and they realize they gain more collective power. So in effect, any organization that really wants to keep the most talented people is to be very candid and, and encourage them to be candid with each other, including I disagree, or that shouldn't be our top priority. Can we discuss another one with people that may be five steps above? Because in a way, employees then are training the people started the company by the way they're acting. Mm. That's one of the reasons I'm a fan of Salesforce, frankly, because from the very top, everyone I've talked to said, we can be candid. We disagree. We built relationships. I've introduced my wife or my daughter to these other people. We get together for vacations. That's impressive that they like each other so much and they trust each other. It makes life more adventuresome, but it also makes them they believe more talented and experts in the ways they can grow. No one can be the expert about everything. Right. So we can turn to somebody and get them to be pithy and specific and responsive. It helps us. So, you know, when you think about this power shift and then the, this mutuality plan out, how have you seen this? Like, so what's some of the evidence that you've seen of this? Um, 
I've seen it when, as I was saying, some organizations keep their top performers because they've allowed them and encouraged them mm. to grow, mm-hmm. and they've cited them. So when a, a, the founder of a company actually cites somebody mm. because they like what they did, like I'll just say go back to Dreamforce, they allow the employees to have one day off a month to do their own cause. Mm. And that's one way that people all learn. You also care about that. So do I. Maybe there's a way we can both help on this. Or you did that phenomena for your nonprofit. I'd like to do this. And affect some of those ideas go up. But then the next thing I'll just say about that briefly is one of the things that's given me so much joy is when there's a mutuality among diverse allies, mm. then you can see more sides of a situation. A potential problem or opportunity comes up in your personal life or your work life or in a friend's life. And you you call in friends you trust, say very specifically, I want your idea on this. So to pay, to pay attention. But if you can see more sides of a situation, you can make smarter decisions faster collectively. Those are some great examples. You know, one of the things that when I think about those examples is they feel like they were also um, there was also an environment that helped shepherd that behavior. Right. Um, because, you know, one, you were brought in as a consultant. So either some of the behavior was already existing and they wanted to amplify it or the behavior may not have been there and they wanted to usher in the behavior, thus bringing you in and maybe working with their teams. You know, what, what advice do you give to people that, that listen are listening right now and going, man, I'd love to have that in our company, but I'm not sure our leadership supports that kind of behavior. We, we as individuals want to do some of those things, but we don't necessarily feel empowered to do those things, right? And to, to show that level of individualism and to create that mutual beneficial uh, <laughs> environment, et cetera. What advice do you give? Shepherding, by the way, thank you. I love that phrase. I think what some of them I've encouraged to do is to say, invite not more than maybe seven people um, and say, can we get together over lunch from different departments, especially in large company? And I say, we're going to try this. It's just a 15 minute time to get together. But tell me what your top problem and opportunity is that you see. And this is confidential. We're Mm. trusting specific and brief. And I've encouraged people to take those guidelines and they've done it. And they wind out um, realizing about seven is the most for them to actually do it. Um, But then I found there's research so that imagine a large company, there's a group that grows up of seven person groups and they get to know each other better. Then sometimes they'll say, let's get together with that other group. We've heard about it. And the two groups will get together. And when they crisscross and do it, they learn a lot more about what they really trust and believe in about their company, what they don't, what they could do differently, um, where they should learn because there's a gap in the collective uh, knowledge and experience. But it, 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 they take it into their personal life. And that's what I love, where they say, by the way, uh, my twins are having a birthday. You know how you're so good at, would you mind coming and helping us do blah, blah, blah. And I love the way that they feel comfortable asking because they also know if they were asked themselves, they would respond. It's a two-way street. It's a yeah. five-way, seven-way street. You know, as, you, as you've been out talking about these, um, because the two go together so well, the mutuality matters and in Opportunity Maker. Um, what have been what what what's been some of the most memorable feedback you've gotten from people? I think one of the most is to say that it looked like you cared when you were talking to us because mm-hmm. I'm on a stage, and the other thing is thanks for giving me specific ideas. 
I think there are too many for me in that talk, but I'd rather have too many that I can take <laughs> than not enough because, frankly, it takes a lot of time. But another one that keeps coming back is to say, I like your idea of start with a specific example or story mm. that pulls them in to then move on. I said, I learned that as a journalist. That was so key. And so they said that really started me hunting. I mean, for example, can I tell you two brief one examples? Please, please. Um, I was going to give a keynote in this big conference center, and I was a bit late because of my loss of direction. I burst out of the elevator, and I knocked this man over. And he got up, and he was like, you know, eight inches taller than me. And I said, I'm so, he says, is that the way you like to meet people? And he cracked me up laughing. I said, I'm truly sorry. He says, I know how to fall right, lady. Oh, um, gosh. What are you doing? And and he said, you know, I I." I think I'm going where you're going. I can take you. By the way, since Iowa State's so grounded, I want to have 10 minutes with you of free coaching. I said, sure. You don't know who I am, do you? I said, no. And he he's a basketball player, Golden State Warriors. Is that right? And so when we walked in together to the, where the, I gave my speech, all the people flooded to him as I went around to get, <laughs> get the stage. That's and great. we stayed friends for eight years. And I'll just say metaphorically, he says, when I go next to my next career, Kari, I don't know how to ask for new jobs. And I said, well, this is what you want to do next. So when you're interviewed by journalists, make a metaphor that relates to that occupation. Then those people in that occupation will hear about you. And that he said, I'm going to take your God kids. They can come for free and stay in a best box for them. So see how if people hear these, these are specific examples, but they enliven people to think we can have a more interesting life yeah. with others. Yeah. And what's the second story? You promised two. I was asked as a journalist when I was in Europe to go watch this um, huge athletic game, uh, which had 5,000 people in the stadium and was uh, football. And I was so startled as I was looking because it was crazy for me to be trying to cover it since I don't understand sports. But in the audience, people started heckling and saying racist things about the man who was the best player that I've been watching go back and forth. And as the more some people started being insulting, he was dark, he was from um, Latin America, more people started coming in. So during halftime, he went out and when he came back in, someone threw a banana up in the air and right down, almost mm. hitting his face. He grabbed it nonchalantly, kept on walking, took a bite of it, threw it over his head. And all these people kept, stood up and started clapping for him because he was so cool. And they started cheering him. So the cheering went bigger than the other. Flash forward, so many people video covered it. People that were not even into the sports saw what he did, his choice of acting cool and comfortable and overwhelming and doing something more interesting than the attackers were doing. Mm -hmm. Four months later, the head who ran the, the Coliseum said um, to him, we want to kick the guy out who was a spear leader, the one who started this right. uh, attacks. He said, oh, no, point him out and name him. Say, we're sure you want to change. Do you want to change and, and um, apologize and come back? So then there's another burst of media coverage about this wonderful sports athlete. So huh. just an example of making a choice about how you want to respond when people do things you don't respect. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, as we start to wrap up a little bit, you know, and people think about being an opportunity maker, 
Um, I'd love your advice, you know, the top three points of advice you give people. Cause like you said, there's so many things and I want, you know, obviously tell people to pick up the book and watch the TED talk, but you know, what are your top three points of advice? And as you think about your top three points of advice, let me ask you a question that I'm always struggling with. Your book made me even think about this a little bit more. I always struggle with the, um, unsolicited LinkedIn invitation. Did you accept it or not? You, you didn't even meet them anywhere or anything. It's just totally out of blue. How do you think about that in this well, context? LinkedIn or somewhere else, I, I used to say, thank you. Where did we meet? And I thought, no, I don't do that. Cause I know we haven't. And that's sarcastic. So I just ignore it and mm. I delete. And there's ever since the Ted talk, all kinds of people hit on me, say, Oh, would you mind doing da da da? And I realize if I'm about mutuality, unless someone's willing to reach out and learn about you, say, because of your expertise in at the very minimum, or I think we have some common interests where we could be helpful. Can we explore it? Mm-hmm. So life's too short. There's enough people that are like that, that I just say, I- I'm honored you're interested. Thank you now. So I get more brief or I don't respond at all. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay, good. All right. So I'm not crazy. Good. All right. <laughs> I'm not crazy nor rude. Um, so now what's your top three points of advice? Um, go out of your way to think of what your blind spots are and your hot buttons and your talents. Mm-hmm. Say, where's something where who has an expertise different than mine at its core to who they are? Then you notice them when you're in different places and you're able to say, I think there may be, it may be helpful to us because we have different talents. Can we spend five or 10 minutes talking about it sometime? So that. And that's worked really well. Look for them, offer to do mutuality, say, let's see ways we can help each other and say, offer be brief. Second, when meeting people that you want to get to know better, and this is good in general, is ask a follow-up question. Whatever they comment on, say, could you tell me more about that? Or when they said that, does that mean da-da-da? Because then you show you genuinely are interested and you are going to be more accurate in your understanding. And they feel heard and it takes you down a path of mutuality. And because they're more likely to then say, hey, can you tell me more about what you just said? So I think emulating that. And again, specificity, whatever you call it, your label yourself or your friends or your core mission. Can you come up with labels that are vivid and specific, an example, a story, a compared to what? So it doesn't like you have to do 10 of them. There's probably three in your life. How you characterize yourself, how you characterize your mission. Yes. That's good. You know, even that specific one really hits home too. Um, late, yeah, specific labels that are vivid and specific stories and compared to what? That frame of reference. Well, thank you so much. I'm so glad we finally got to do this. Uh, again, folks, uh, Kari Anderson, the information as always will be on the website. Please pick up her Uh, latest book opportunity maker and as well as watch the ted talk you will enjoy it it's about 10 minutes or maybe just a little longer but you would definitely enjoy it Uh, and thank you again for listening to another episode of the core link solution you are informed empowered and can now be accountable what were some of your takeaways from this episode i always enjoy hearing from you so please share additionally if you have questions here's some things that are new to you or need some clarity on some of those things i am here to serve Go to our website at thecorelingsolution.com slash podcast. Right below the show notes, you'll see a comment section. Tell me about some of your takeaways from the episode. You can ask your questions. You can mention challenges in the areas that we cover. Or tell me about guests you'd love to hear from. 
Alternatively, you can do the same through social media channels of Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Thank you as always for linking up and I look forward to seeing you next episode.